Well, great to see you all. Good to be, that you're here. You know, for those of you that don't know, our other associate pastor, Stephen, put that video together, and he's a Cleveland Browns fan. So I don't know, it must have been paining him to put that video together. And I don't know how much more Belichick and Brady have to do to convince Stephen that he should be rooting for the Patriots, but, you know, I, I don't know. Well, 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 well. I want to uh, talk about uh, something today which uh, is actually pretty interesting to me because on the one hand, it's sort of basic, basic connection with God, and yet it's probably the most difficult concept to grasp. And this is the whole idea of God speaking to us. Like if I said to you, have you heard God's voice? Uh, or how has God spoken to you? Now, this is such an interesting um, question or a terminology because it's absolutely imperative that we hear from God. But uh, if you're new to faith, you know, people talk about it. Well, I heard God do this and I've heard God say this. And, and you feel like you're completely left out. Like, I didn't hear God. God's audible voice. I mean, that's a pretty phenomenal, powerful thing. And people say, well, no, 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 I didn't hear God's audible voice, but I heard God. It's like, whoa, wait a bit. How can you be so sure that you heard God if you didn't hear his audible voice? And then why do you say you heard God if you didn't actually hear God? I mean, like you, okay, so you sense God or you experience God's love. Yes. Or you had a strong unction that this was God. Yes. But we, you know, we kind of narrow that down to saying, I heard God. And so I want to just uh, press into that a little bit today. Uh, but even more specifically, like how does God call us? How does he communicate to us in that kind of a way? How does he call us to do the things that only God can do? That God reveals who he is to us, and God speaks to us in some way that we can get it, that God is connecting with us. One of my biggest struggles is, you know, I've had so many unbelievable uh, encounters with the living God. I mean, I can know the, the, the place, and I can remember exactly what God did in my life, and it was just totally God, and I'm, I'm so excited about those things because they transformed my life. But another frustration that I have uh, as a believer, and I think we've all experienced this to some degree, is when we're praying and we're asking God to do something in our life, like we've got a big decision, and we really, really need to get God's direction, God's leading, and it's like, God, please will you tell me, or, like, or please will you guide me, or please can I just hear from you? <laughs> Nothing. And it's like, huh, but I really need to know, God, it would be so nice if you just direct me. And that's just the mystery of God. That's our walk with the Lord, where sometimes God is really clear and we get great instruction. And other times when we think it's like really important, God's like, mm, yeah, you might think it's important, but maybe I'm going to talk to you. Maybe I'm not about that. And something else will seem like so sort of tangential. And then God seems to be very clear. So I want to be looking at that today. I want to be talking about that. How does God speak to you? How do you experience God? How has God spoken to you? Or maybe you're sitting in that position today where you're saying, God, I really need you to speak to me. Or maybe you're sitting in the position today where you're saying, I'm still trying to figure out God. 
and uh, I would love to hear God speak to me. So uh, I would love God to speak to you. So let me just welcome God and ask God to speak to all of us. Lord Jesus, we just acknowledge that by your Holy Spirit, you do speak to us. But Lord, I also acknowledge that we can't make it up. Unless you reveal who you are to us individually, we have no idea who you are. So Lord, I just invite your Holy Spirit to be here. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would direct us. I pray that you would call us. Lord, I pray that uh, everybody here today would encounter you during this message, during our time together, during our worship. Empower me to speak. Fill me with your spirit. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, we started a, a series in, in the book of Ezekiel, and uh, I you know, started reading this uh, series in Ezekiel, and was like, wow, uh, Ezekiel starts off with, uh, with a bang, because let me just read it to you. It says, on July the 31st of my 13th year, while I was with the Judean exiles besides the Kibar River in Babylon, the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. This happened during the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. The Lord gave this message to Ezekiel, son of Buzi, a priest, besides the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. And he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. So in this opening, we have an account where Ezekiel saw and he felt. He saw and he felt. And you might want to underline or circle those words in your Bible. He saw and he felt God. But it's also a, a great opener because it's like in a very specific place and a very specific king was ruling and he was next to the river. And I mean, it's just such a clear picture. Now, I don't know about you, but do you have a clear picture or when God spoke to you in a significant way, uh, is there an image in your brain of like where it was and what was happening? Maybe there is, and maybe there was. It isn't. But as I was reflecting on this, two things came to mind. First, I thought, yeah, I've got a lot of those experiences where I didn't see a vision like this type of vision, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that it was God speaking to me or God uh, being involved in my life, which made a significant uh, difference. But on the other hand, I'm like, this is the, 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 the challenge that we have. Because most people are saying, I want to hear God like Ezekiel heard God. If I can hear God like Ezekiel heard God, then I'm hearing God. And I'm like, yeah, but sometimes we don't hear God that way. Sometimes we do. I mean, just reading through the Bible, often you do, but often you don't. So, for instance, uh, I don't know where you were at Super Bowl 22, there was a hero at that Super Bowl. His name was Doug Williams. I don't know if anybody remembers who the guy is. Okay, I don't even remember who the guy is. I do remember a Super Bowl Sunday. This is what went down. Liz and I were brand new to America. We had just showed up at the Vineyard Church for the first time. And with all our worldly belongings, which was three suitcases, and a bank account loaded, which was $1,000, uh, we were now arrived in America. We were here, and uh, we went to the church for the first time, and something crazy happened. Uh, the pastor said, hey, listen, there's a new couple from Africa uh, in the congregation, and they're looking for a place to stay. 
if anybody would uh, knows anything, help him out. And very good uh, friends, which became very good friends, total strangers to us at the time, uh, said, hey, we know of a place down the road in Natick uh, that's for rent. Do you want to come look at it? And we said, sure, we'll go look at it. When we got there, the place was gone. And uh, then God did something significant. He said to our friends, which was Jeff and Val Stark, and he said to them, I want you to take Rob and Liz into your house and let them come and live with you. Now, just think of that for a moment. They've never seen us. They don't know who the heck we are. Uh, we could probably rob them blind, but they just graciously right then and then took us into the house and we stayed with them for like two and a half weeks. And the reason it's stuck in my brain is because Jeff said to me, hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Do you want to watch a Super Bowl? To which we said, what's the Super Bowl? Put a name in a plate. I mean, I can tell you it's 135 in Natick. I can tell you exactly when that happened. And I can tell you it was hugely significant. Why? Because, well, we didn't have anywhere to stay. <laughs> Pretty significant. Liz was starting work on that Monday, and like we were trying to figure our lives out. So, you know, God speaks, God moves. Now, what have I said that was God speaking to me? Well, he spoke to the stocks, clearly, and it greatly benefited us. When I look back on it, I'm like, that was the Lord. The Lord opened up a door for us. The Lord spoke. I mean, that's the way we'd phrase that. But did I hear an audible voice? Did they hear an audible voice? No. But the Lord did speak. So if we jump over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it says something very interesting. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Okay, so if God has called all of you, uh, the very obvious question is, what is your calling? Another one of these <laughs> wonderful mysteries. Like, okay, for some people it's so clear. Uh, for others it's like, this is just so vague. I don't know how God's called me. I don't know what my role is. Uh, how does God speak to us? And yet God is saying, hey, you know, I've called all of you. So when you start looking into this, you realize, wait a bit, there's different levels to hearing God's voice. There's different levels to what does God mean when he says, I'm calling you. And are you called to do whatever God has called you to do? And uh, I want to just uh, press into this idea a little bit, if you would. Uh, if you've got a bulletin insert, you might want to just uh, follow along with me. But I want to try and uh, make this a little bit easier to see. There you go. Thanks. You're probably going to need it more than me, because I think hopefully I'm Hopefully I'm going to stay on track, although if I don't, you can bring it back up again and say, Rob, this is where you're supposed to be going. You know, the first thing I want to say is the obvious. The obvious is the obvious. Sometimes it's so darn obvious that God has called you because God has done something that's so crazy supernatural uh, that it's obvious. You know, if you look throughout the Bible, you'll see this has happened again and again. God calls Abraham. He says, hey, leave your country and follow me and come to another land. I mean, that's like, okay, you've got to be pretty sure you're hearing God to just up and go. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Moses has this encounter with God at the burning bush. It's pretty clear that it's, you know, somebody, God is speaking to him. Uh, and it greatly changes his life. Or you look at King David. King David's like not even looking for God. He's like looking for sheep somewhere. And his brother's all like being called out to see if they the the next anointed king, and it's like, no, nope, nope, nope. Anybody else? Yep, David. Hey, call that guy up. David comes there, young little kid. It's like, no, it's you. I mean, 
So even if David didn't hear God, everybody else knew that David was the man. God was calling him. It was pretty clear. Uh, and if you look at, say, somebody in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, you know, he's going, as Stephen mentioned last week, in one direction to kill Christians. Uh, this bright light uh, falls on Paul. He hears the audible voice of God. Nobody around him hears the audible voice, just Paul. And he's just like, okay, well, what's going on? And then God says to him, Jesus talks to him. He says, hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul does a wine eighty, and he starts becoming, you know, one of the greatest church planters and wrote more books in the New Testament than anybody else. Uh, he had an encounter with the living God, obvious and whatever, and dramatic. But most of the prophets in the Old Testament uh, fall in the same pattern. You know, Amos similarly, he was running around, you know, feeding sheep, and God says, wait a bit, Amos, I need you to be a prophet. Uh, but then you look at the crazy things that God asks many of these people to do, and you realize, whoa, they better have had a really powerful, clear calling because God is asking all of them to do like really difficult things where they have to really believe and depend and lean heavily uh, into God and onto God. But the point is this, God has no problem getting through to you and to me. He can communicate and he will communicate with us. It's very helpful if our posture is one of, God, I desire to hear that you speak to us. That is a very helpful posture. But let's uh, flip over to the way Jesus calls his disciples. I mean, this is a low-key calling. I mean, it is not supernatural. I mean, it is so ordinary. Uh, you read the, the, the way Jesus calls his first disciples, and you say, really? I mean, couldn't it be more dramatic like some of these Old Testament prophets? I mean, uh, is this the way God is going to build his church? These are going to be his 12? This is, and it's so low-key? I mean, look at the way it goes in Matthew, Matthew 4. One day Jesus, walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net in, into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called them. Okay, now this is kind of interesting. This is how we get the terminology. He literally calls them. And he says, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Okay, so something really interesting happens. They follow Jesus. I mean, now it's not like there was a lightning storm. It's not like the heavens opened. It's not like there were visions. Jesus simply said, come, follow me. And they did. And then carries on. It's a little further up the shore. He saw two uh, brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. See, God is calling us like that. He's calling us in two ways. He's calling us to be his disciples. And he's also, there's like a second calling or a another calling or a different type of calling where he's calling us not only to be his disciples but to do his will and that's pretty much all of us it's not like okay we get some people that are just called to be believers and then the other people that are called to do god's will no if you're going to be a follower of jesus if you're going to be a christian god is calling you into the family of god and he is calling you to do something to do the work of of the kingdom to do 
Jesus' will. The very next thing that goes with this calling, which is to follow Jesus, is the calling to then be transformed. God is saying, okay, if you're going to follow me, the first thing that needs to happen is you need to become holy because you're not very holy and I need you to be holy. And then this is a very interesting uh, dynamic because the way you become holy is not because you do a whole lot of good things. It's because you give up and you say to God, God, transform me and work within me to change me to become holy. So uh, it would go more like this. If you look at Romans, it says this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God is going to change the way you think. And the way God is going to change you is he's going to allow the Holy Spirit to be within you and to change your thinking. Now, you have all done one like major dramatic step by being in church on Sunday. And when people come to church on a regular basis on Sunday, you are making yourself available for God to transform your mind and to change you from within. But the great thing is this. God puts the desire in you to want to be like Him. It's not, it becomes a natural thing that you want to do, not a foreign thing. It's not like, oh, I don't want to do that. God will change you. You'll say, I do want to do that, which is what's so dramatic. But if I go back to the uh, verse before that, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be li living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is the true way of worshiping Him. So God is saying, look, I want you to be a follower of me, Jesus, and I want your life to be called that it's worthy at the end of the day that you've done what Jesus asked you to do, that you've lived a life, a holy life, a life that you've heard the call of God and you've done what God has asked you to do. Primarily being holy, but it doesn't end with being holy. You are holy for a purpose. And God is saying the starting point of this is to try and figure out, are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to follow everybody else's advice called following the world. And Jesus is saying, you can't do both. I mean, we're going to live in the world, but we shouldn't be of the world. So it's not, you know, always so easy. It's like, okay, we've got to live on this planet. We've got to live like everybody else. But on the other hand, we've got to live totally different to everybody else. We've got to live as holy people, people that are filled with the Spirit, people that can do anything when God works through us. And it's an exciting life when God does work through us. It's almost like we have, you know, two passports. We've got a passport to heaven, and we've got a passport, American passport. And God is saying the one that counts the most is the passport to heaven. And throughout uh, history, we've got, you know, dictators of countries that are very upset about that. You've got Nero in Rome. He just said, listen, you've got to follow me, you've got to worship me, forget about any other gods, I am God, you've got Hitler, you've got Stalin, you know, you just got all these dictators, basically always saying, listen, you follow me. But as Christians, we're always saying, no, 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 no. Our first allegiance is to follow God, but we also want to be good, you know, citizens of our countries, as long as those things don't 
overlap. And if they do overlap or conflict overlap, then we choose God. And that can get a little, a little messy. Right at the beginning of this, there's also the sense that Jesus is saying, look, you wouldn't know, or God is saying, you wouldn't even know that I exist unless I opened the windows of your mind to realize who I am. I mean, we can't see God. God is invisible. It's not like we can say, okay, God, let me just look at you. But God says, okay, I realize your predicament. I'm going to send who I am, Jesus, so that you can like have a human to observe and see and relate to and, and connect to. But even then, like today, we've got, okay, Jesus was historical. Unless God opens our minds to see who he is and reveal who he is, we can't see and know God. What I'm saying is this. It's a very uh, interesting uh, theological debate that's gone down in history for like forever, which is predestination versus Arminianism, which basically means who's calling who? Do you make the decision or does God make the decision? I mean, it's basically if, if, if God doesn't reveal himself, you won't know it. But God is calling you. He's saying, hey, make a decision. I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be a believer. I'm inviting you to join the family. And, you know, on one hand, it can be very simple. And on one hand, it can be a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more complicated or a little more complex. For instance, um, in the Old Testament, the holiest day of the year, God would take two rams, and it got nothing to do with L.A., and he would have one be sacrificed. Uh, hopefully one will get sacrificed. But anyway, these two lambs, the rams, one would be slaughtered and put on the altar, and their blood would be shed for us. And we know that Jesus has fulfilled that very same thing for us. His blood has been shed, and because of that, we've been made holy, and we've been invited to be God's son. The other ram was let loose into the wilderness, but it would be, you know, all the sins of the world, or the Jewish people at that time, were like, preyed on this lamb, and it was like, okay, head out into the wilderness. Uh, so the scapegoat, which is how we get that terminology. But Jesus in the New Testament often fulfills some of these things. Sometimes it's not so obvious. So, for instance, when Jesus is before Pilate, the crowd has to make a decision. Am I going to choose Jesus or am I going to choose this sinner, this murderer? His name was Barabbas. And you realize that the majority of the people, like then and like today, will choose the way of the world or the popular person, which happens to be Barabbas. The interesting thing about Barabbas is this. Both Jesus and Barabbas are the son of God. What I mean by that is this. Jesus, as you know, is the son of the, is God's son. Uh, so he was the son of the father. Barabbas' name means this. If you break it out, it's Bar Abba. Now, Abba, for anybody in the New Testament, I mean, if you've read Romans, it's an Abba father. This is the way of like connecting with God the Father. So Bar means son of, son of the Father. So we've got two sons, two sons of the Father that we're going to choose from. And the world is saying, I want Barabbas. And in a similar way, we are saying, God is saying to us, choose Jesus. Don't choose the way of the world. Choose Jesus, but do choose him. Be intentional. Don't follow the crowd. The last point I want to make, and this is probably the most like sort of pertinent and, and uh, uh, the one that we really need to grasp hold of, is this idea that God has called each and every one of us to serve Him. 
We need to know what gifting God has given each one of us. God has gifted all of us. He's given us different gifts, and we need to put those gifts into practice. Uh, one of the most uh, profound things, I don't have time to uh, tell you my testimony, but uh, many of you have heard it. But God called me into ministry with this verse from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and it's this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And then this verse was particularly pertinent for me. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. I felt God was was back then and is right now, and it's kind of renewing this in me, is that my job is to figure out your gifts and to ask you to step up and to serve the Lord. And as we do this together, there is something that is very fulfilling for all of us. Let me say it differently. God has given the church as the vehicle that God works through. And all of us have a different role to play in the church. But when the church is being what the church is called to do, it is the most fantastic, fun organization to be part of. But it's the most weird organization. It's the only organization that exists not for its own members, but for people that aren't yet in church. That's why I don't like calling it membership class. We call it partnership because there are no like members. The members are the people that aren't yet here. The money that comes in, the energy that comes in cannot be all expended on us. It needs to be directed for the most part on people that aren't yet here. So we live and we exist and we worship and I preach for people that are either new to faith or we're calling to faith. And in essence, in some way, shape or form, the gifting that God wants to call out in you is to partner with me and with our church to do just this, to be church, which means this, whether you're serving in children's ministry or you greet her at the door or you just don't know what the heck you're doing, so you show up at church early so that you can be present to invite guests. We all part of God's gift to grow the church so that those that don't yet know him can feel welcomed coming here and being part of the church. And so if you're handing out a bulletin, you're handing out a cup of coffee, it is absolutely strategic what you're doing. You are being used. You are being used with God's gifts that he's given you to be nice to other people, to greet them, to invite them so that they can come to know Jesus. And when you're part of that process, it's really something special and something profound. Now, God has many other very specific gifts and good gifts, and I want to talk about that right uh, well, I want to pray for you for those right here and right now. But I want to do this. This week, many of us are going in many different directions. We all feel like God has called us, uh, directed us, using us to do different things in the kingdom. So uh, Bernadette has a whole bunch of folks which are going down to the Dominican Republic, leaving Thursday night. If that's you, stand up. I want to pray for you right where you are. Just stand up. Uh, Sarah has got a whole bunch of youth which she's taking down to Pennsylvania. Uh, and they're going away for the weekend. I think it's 15 of them that are going. And they're all over the show. Sarah, why don't you stand up? And uh, any youth that are in here going down to Pennsylvania? Because what we want to do is we want you to be empowered by God. Liz and I are leaving for Spain. Uh, and likewise, uh, we're going to be working with the church there and uh, trying to advance the kingdom 
uh, in Spain. So a lot of us are going to not be here next week as we're doing different things. So let me just pray for you as you're standing. Lord Jesus, I just pray that every single person leaving here this, uh, this week, I just pray for everybody that's away serving you and the youth trying to hear from you, trying to be built up in you. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to each of us. You would give us the opportunity to uh, serve you and be used by you. Lord, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to flow through us as we uh, sense what it is that you're doing and who you want us to speak to and who you want us to pray for. So, Lord, I just lift up all these folks that are going. I just pray for your presence. I pray for your, your blessing to be on them. In your name, Jesus, amen. I want you to be seated. I want to pray for another group of people here today. I think God is calling some of you, and as I'm uh, talking about this today, you, you're probably thinking about this, and you say, is God calling me to ministry? I mean, to like step it up a notch where God might be calling me to serve in ministry. Uh, maybe God is calling you to be a pastor or a prophet or evangelist or a teacher, but you sense that God might be just calling me. You, you might be sure of this, and you might not be so sure of it. It's like, ah, I think God is calling me. I'm not sure. Uh, what I want to do is I want to pray for you too. Because I think God wants to uh, release people. And part of your walk of faith is saying, God, I think it's me. And I'm willing to like stand up and take a deep breath and ask that God would then speak to me. So if that's you, if you feel like that's you, I just... Just stand up. I'd just love to pray for you. If you feel like God is calling you, calling you to something greater, to full-time ministry or part-time ministry, to be a pastor, to be a prophet, to be an evangelist, okay, there's a whole bunch of you that are, that are standing. Now, here's the thing. Somehow other in church, when we do this, it's more than just my talk. It's like, God, I'm taking a, a risk. I'm standing I'm saying by standing, I'm taking a step of faith, and I'm asking you, God, to help me, to anoint me, to lead me, to empower me, to guide me. Lord Jesus, I just pray for all these folks standing. I just pray for your empowerment. I pray that you'd make their calling more clear. Lord, I pray that it would be very obvious what the next step is. And Lord, for those that have been dormant in their gifting, that they would step it up again that they know how you've called them. But Lord, they're desiring to be used by you in the gifting you've given them. And I just pray, Lord God, that this week, this month, that you would be using them and calling them and exciting them again and afresh. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I would love to hear from you afterwards. Like, did you sense God doing anything? I, I, I uh, there's another bunch of you, and maybe some of this is the same of you, same folks. But I also want to just encourage those that feel God has called you into supernatural ministry. In other words, this is a very specific type of calling. This is a calling where you're feeling like God has called me to the prophetic, to uh, to to a gift of healings, to uh, interpreting tongues, uh, to working in the supernatural ministry, uh, and that really excites you. And God has called you. I, I just want to. Have you stand up, and it can be the same folks again, maybe, perhaps. But I just, I'm asking God to to pour out the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's anointing to do the supernatural, the things that 
we can't do that you feel God has asked you to do and you have done and you expect to do. Jesus, I just thank you for all these people standing. Lord, I just thank you for this great legacy we have in the vineyard where we've seen your power. But Lord, I just pray for a fresh outpouring of your supernatural gifting. Lord, I pray for dreams and visions. Lord, I pray for those that have the gift of healing, that they'd lay hands on people and they'd be healed. Lord, I pray for those that uh, want to speak in tongues or interpret tongues. Lord, that they would get the opportunity and would be clear. And I pray for those that have the prophetic anointing and gifting. Lord, that they would have the ability to hear from you clearly and be able to implement what you're hearing and encourage others. In your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, it was very interesting to me. I said this before, but uh, beginning of the year, all the vineyards got together and all the pastors were here and we had a worship set and it was probably the worst timing in the world because everybody was away. They were either sick or away, uh, you know, Christmas out and couldn't do another night out. But we had a very powerful meeting here and every single vineyard church in Massachusetts independently was begging God for two things, more Holy Spirit and more evangelism. It was just a, it was a, 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 a really a special, a special time. But as you're worshiping, just whatever's percolating in your head from what I've said, or maybe God has been stirring you and, and you, you, you're sensing the presence of God, ask the Lord to just continue working in you and speaking to you and in the Spirit to encourage you. Why don't you stand and let's worship.